Hello and welcome again to another episode of the Of Mugs and Men podcast. I'm your host, Chase Cooper, and today I want to talk to you about anxiety. Um, anxiety is something that I, I swear, working in, in youth ministry, it's like it riddles um, youth. Um, and I know adults deal with the same sort of thing too, but um, the, our, our youth seem to deal with anxiety a lot more than we do. And honestly, I I think, and I'm no counselor, I'm no doctor or anything like that, but I think it's a maturity thing. I think it's something that, um, not that anxiety is something that you grow out of. I don't want to put it lightly because people really do struggle with this stuff um, big time. I mean, they really, really struggle with anxiety. I don't want to make it, I don't want to make light of it. But I, I do feel like um, maturity is something that plays a big part in um, the lives of people who deal with anxiety. So let me explain that a little bit. Um, for, you know, just starting out here, I want to talk about what anxiety is. Um, anxiety, like if you just Google anxiety, anxiety is what we feel when we're worried, tense, or afraid, particularly about things that are about to happen or which we think could happen in the future. Anxiety is a natural human response when we feel that we are under threat. It can be experienced through our thoughts, feelings, and physical sensations. And that comes from uh, mind.org.uk. So anxiety really is something that we deal with um, when we feel like we have no control over something, when we feel threatened, when we feel like um, you know we're afraid. All of these things kind of stack up to be um, coming from the same source, which is a you have a lack of control over a situation. You have a lack of, I don't know what this next step is. I don't know what tomorrow looks like. You know, I'm dealing with something right now and it, and it looks ugly and it feels ugly. I don't know where this goes. Therefore, I don't like that. Therefore, I'm afraid of that or I, I feel tense about that thing. And that's where the source of an anxiety really is. It's a natural response. Something I'm sure... Um, naturally, I'm sure that it's something that, um, makes you aware, you know, so that you can respond, um, accurately to whatever it is that you're afraid of, you know? Now, a lot of times anxiety kind of takes us over. A lot of times anxiety makes us feel in a way that, uh, we're so far out of control that we'll never get control that, um, and that's when it really becomes a danger to us when that feeling is just too much. So we just kind of shut off, you know, we let anxiety, um, completely ruin our day. You know, we just won't leave the house in a, in a sense, we're just going to stay in bed all day, that sort of thing. So that's obviously not the correct response to anxiety. And I want to go over with you today, what a biblical response to anxiety really is. And a lot of times, uh, you'll you'll hear the same sort of thing from Christian people, or really even when you read the Bible, it'll feel like the same sort of thing. And it's an answer that um, when I asked my my students at church, what do you think about this? A lot of them thought it was a good answer, but a lot of them thought it was kind of an annoying answer. And that's to pray, you know, to not worry about this thing, to not do that, but to actually just to give it to God and just to pray about it. Um, that is a good answer. Why do we feel like that's an annoying answer though, is kind of what I was asking them. 
I think um, when you really think about this, if that answer annoys you, I think it's because you maybe um, have misunderstood the power of prayer. That could be something. Uh, maybe it's something that you feel like, oh, I've done that before and nothing, nothing seemed to help. Um, there's tons of reasons why you could feel like, well, that's not a very good answer. But the reality on the ground is that that's a biblical answer that is given uh, in Scripture to give, the, give your worries, give your anxieties, cast your cares on the Lord and let Him deal with these things. And you go back to thinking about all the, the great things that He has done for you, all the great things that you have in your life, things that maybe you do have control over, the things that you can control, the things that you can do to curb this thing that you have no control over. And truly, in our lives, sometimes there are things that we, maybe we will never have control over. And we worry about those things way too much. Why do we worry about things that we cannot fix, that we cannot control? So those are the things I, I feel like when the Bible talks about anxiety, it's talking about those sorts of things, the things that you have absolutely no control over. It's the extreme cases, right? of anxiety that I feel like the, the Lord really uh, puts into Scripture and gives us answers about. So one of those is in Philippians 4, 6. And I want to go there and I want to read that one first. And then we'll go back to Matthew. Um, there's a famous passage in Matthew on the Sermon on the Mount where uh, Jesus um, talks about anxiety. Philippians 4, um, let's start in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So there you have it, folks. Just don't be anxious, right? Uh <laughs> Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. So what he's saying is um, you, don't, you have no need of being anxious about these things when you pray. Everything that you do in your life, do it through prayer, do it through supplication, do it through seeking the Lord and let him show you the truth of your wants and your desires, the things that maybe you have no control over whatsoever. When you pray, you'll realize that these are things that you don't have control over. You need to let go of these certain things. I know in, in my life, I'm going through some stuff uh, right now that I, I truly have no control over. Um, I feel like I've done everything that I possibly can do. Everything that I do have control over, I have made a point to serve the Lord faithfully in those actions, in those uh the way that I speak, the way that I carry myself. Um, I've made sure that to the best of my ability, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but to the best of my ability, I've served him. And I can lay my head down at night and rest in the fact that I have served him in this situation. Um, but there are things that continue to happen um, over and over again that are completely out of my control. So do I get anxious about these things? Am I fearful for the future? Am I all the, of course, of course I am. I can't help but my flesh coming forward and, and, and saying 
things in my mind and, and thinking up scenarios and all. I can't help that. It just happens. It's a natural human response. How I respond to that natural human response really defines who I am as a Christian. So the other day, I'm dealing with this bout of anxiety. I'm thinking about the worst case scenarios. And I come home and I feel sick to my stomach. I feel sick like I don't want to eat. I don't want to do anything. Like I just, I just want to lay down, you know? Like I get in the shower, I'm just standing there. In the midst of that whole ordeal that I'm dealing with mentally, and for the record, I'm being kind of dramatic. It was 20 minutes, but it's a bad 20 minutes. Um, in that 20 minutes, my two-year-old daughter comes up to me and she's just, dad, 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 wants my attention, wants to play with me, all these things. And it just kind of hit me like a sack of bricks that, you know, I can worry about my life, but I need to focus on the things that need focus. I need to put my energy into things that I do have control over, Right? I need to put my focus into things that um, require my control and can require my energy. Those things being my family, right? The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, it's nothing, nothing is better for a man than to work. Or I'm sorry, nothing is better for a man than to eat, to drink, and enjoy his work. Well, my work here on earth is not just being a school bus driver or mowing grass or something like that. My work here on earth is obviously to do the Lord's work and what he would have me to do. It's to be a good father, to be a good husband, um, to go to work and, and do my vocational stuff. All of that culminates to my work. So if I can't enjoy my work, then what am I? I'm, I'm ruining really what God says is supposed to be enjoyable. If I can't even look at my daughter and give her the time of day because I'm feeling a certain kind of way, then what kind of husband, what kind of a father is that, right? So I had to find a way to put these anxieties that I felt on the back burner. I had to put them away, had to move them to the side so that I could be the father that I was supposed to be in that moment. Um, not that my daughter would have cared. She probably would have found something else to do. But at the same time, I want to focus and I want to enjoy my work. Me uh, worrying about something, that's not work. That's just a human response that I'm supposed to have self-control over. That's a fruit of the Spirit, to have self-control. So what I did was I started to pray. And I prayed, God, let me be more about the things that you have called me to be about than it is things that I have no control over. You know, I don't want control to control me. I don't want that to, to happen to me ever again. I don't want to be stuck in a position where I'm worrying about something that I can't change either way. So, Father, take this thing away from me. You know, how many times have we prayed that? God, take this from me. What do we mean by that? Well, what I meant by that was this. God, I cannot control this. Therefore, I'm letting you handle it for me. Whatever it is from this point forward, I'm going to assume and I'm going to trust that it's your purpose and your will 
I'm going to see this as a test of my faith. I'm going to see this as you're trying to show me something and I'm going to listen, right? And if this really is one of those tests of faith, I'm going to pass it. But I'm going to pass it not by worrying about something I can't change. I'm going to pass it by honoring you. And how do I honor you? I honor you by being a good father, being a good husband, being a good worker at work, doing all these things that I know that you've called me to be, doing the ministry that you've called me to minister, and all the things that are out of my control, I commit them to you. That's hard to do. But that's what letting go looks like. That's what letting go looks like. I, and I can't explain it any other way other than this is how you deal with anxiety. Now, you could deal with it a different way. You could sit there and, and worry about it and try to scheme up ways of how you can change the situation. But there's a lot of situations out there that you honestly and truly have no power over. They're involving people that don't listen to you. They're involving people that wouldn't listen to you even if they wanted to listen to you. They involve uh, things that um, it involves money, right? It involves food and anything that you could uh, that you could imagine. Things that are just totally, totally out of out of your control. There's people out there that worry about the next presidency. There's people that worry about what this politician said yesterday. You cannot control that. But it instills in our young people an anxiety for the future. And it's not a healthy thing. So we need to get back to um, all those little moments, you know, of every time that we have downtime now, we're, you know, we're on our phone and we're looking for something else to worry about. We need to set our phones down. We need to pray. You know, we need to have intimate time with the Lord. We need to open up our, our Bible and let him speak to us. But instead, we're constantly searching for the next thing to be mad about. And there's a lot out there to be mad about. Think of the amount of time in 2020 that we spent worrying about <laughs> the decisions of men in another part of the world that we thought about the decisions of men uh, right down the street from us, maybe that were going to make us do something or, or you're now going to act in this way, things that you had absolutely no control over, but it consumed you. And it drove a lot of people away from the church. It drove a lot of people away from the Lord because the priorities were not lined up. We spent a lot of time in 2020 worrying about um, police brutality in other cities, things that we had no control over, things even that were already done. We worried about them. How were they going to handle this? These things you have no control over. You can be upset. You can be uh, vocal about them. But to have anxiety, to be fearful of these things is not a healthy attitude to have. It's not something that's going to be helpful so let's look at what Jesus says in, uh, in Matthew 6. So um, Matthew 6, this is part of the uh, Sermon on the Mount. And um, the Sermon on the Mount is it's probably my favorite section of, of Scripture. I know Matthew 6 is one of my favorite sections of Scripture. But um, it's just so rich in um, 
and just so rich. Every every corner that you turn in the Sermon on the Mount is just amazing. It's incredible to read. Um, Jesus, it's funny, Jesus does not spare words. Jesus does not waste time. He doesn't waste any... In my view, Jesus was the word at the beginning, right? That's what John says in, in uh, the Gospel of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was the word at the beginning. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He spoke in the beginning, let there be light, and there was light. He spoke everything into existence. And then we see him come on uh, into the earth, and he's preaching and he's teaching, and people keep asking him questions and asking questions and asking questions. Not one word was spared. Everything that Jesus said had a profound, profound meaning. And there's so many layers of things behind it, so much philosophy and theology and everything that's just built into everything that he said. So when you read the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, Do not lay up treasures for yourself on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Think of how profound that is. It's a simple statement, right? Very simple statement. Don't worry about things here. Worry about things there, right? But let's, let's move on because he's going to start talking about anxiety. He's going to start talking about how you should, I'll, I'll get there. So let's, let's start right where we were. Verse 19, uh, Matthew 6 uh, verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So what's the point here? People are worrying about the things that they're going to do in the here and now. People are worried about um, the life that they're going to live here on earth more than they're worried about the life that is to come, the resurrection. And Jesus is trying to make this point. No one can serve two masters for either. He will hate the one and love the other. You cannot serve God and money. If you're worrying about the things that you're going to buy here on earth, the things that you're going to store up, uh, the treasures that you will store up here, just know that you're not serving God. Not that you can't you know, have nice things and serve God, but what he's trying to make a point is you're serving money. You're wanting these things. But when, you're, when you are uh, putting treasures up for yourself in heaven, you're serving God. You're not serving the money aspect of, of this life, right? And even if, even if you were to um, fill your coffers here on earth, even if you were to have all these things and lay up all your treasures here on earth, guess what? The moth is going to come and destroy it. The rust is going to destroy it. The thieves, they're going to break in. They're going to steal it. You can't take it with you when you go is something that we always say. But when you put your treasures in heaven, it can't be touched. Now we'll get into that here in a little bit. But verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, 
nor about your body, what you will put on. Don't be anxious about your life. Don't be anxious about your life. How do you do that? Right? Well, he's trying to tell us here. How do you do that? Practically, now we just talked about Philippians 4, 6, um, in prayer and supplication and seeking him out, right? But practically, this is how you don't be anxious about your life. Because why are we anxious in life? What gives us anxiety about our life? Well, death is one. You know, nobody wants to die. How you would die is probably second to that, right? Nobody wants to starve. So everybody wants to have food. Everybody does. Nobody wants to um, die of thirst. So everybody wants something to drink. Nobody wants to die naked. That's kind of what he's getting at here. So you want to have money for these things. You don't want to be exposed to the elements. So you want to have money for a nice home or something like that. And I'm not saying these are bad things. What I'm saying is these are, this is the source of anxiety for a lot of people. Think about, <clears throat> think about your days in high school. When it was hammered into you from a young age, what are you going to do when you grow up? What are you going to do when you grow up? It's a constant reminder that you're hitting an age where you have to make something happen for yourself. You're going to have to make a decision about the rest of your life. It's a decision that is um, irreversible. It's a decision that is more than likely one of the most important decisions of your life. And it's a decision that needs to be made in the next six months to a year. You talk about anxiety with young adults or, or whatever. No wonder they're so anxious because we grow up seeing these things. We grow up seeing the happy people with all the nice things. We grow up seeing the successful people with all the amazing uh, things, like I just said, but the nice house, the nice cars, um, the good relationships. And we see all the non-successful people with not so many things. But is that how the Bible measures success? I don't think that it is. I think the Bible measures success based on a couple different factors, but I think one of them is how you served the Lord, you know, what was your relationship with the Lord like? Because at the end of the day, that's all that's going to matter. Okay. All that's going to matter, uh, when you get to the end of this life is your relationship with God. Because if, if you watch the last video, we were talking about that, that, that salvation, right? It's, it's something that he has in his hands and he's wanting to give you that salvation. He's wanting to give you eternal life, Right. But if you don't seek after him to allow him to give you that, then all you did was live a life that he gave you. And you only get one. You only get one life. Now you can live it however you want. He gives you that freedom. But at the same time, how do you want to live your life? If, if you want to never die and you want to serve him forever, you want to live in his love forever then you have to play by his rules, right? So some of his rules are just facts about life, right? So what, what makes a person happy? Well, what makes a person happy isn't things in life. Sure, I mean, you get happy for a season. You get happy for just a little while. But at the end of it, um, a lot of times it's, it's just ruin. Or it's... Um, lost its luster and you got to kind of do it all over again. You think of all the things that people try and find fulfillment in. 
whether it be um, drugs or, or sex or alcohol or things or buying a new car or um, political office or running for whatever, or, you know, I want to be the head of this committee or, you know, whatever it is, a title, uh, a, a position of power or control. These are the things that people chase their entire lives, thinking that it will fulfill them. But in the end, just like we read in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing better for a man than to eat and to drink and enjoy his work. Now, if you can get to the end of your life and you say, I've had some good food, I had some good drinks, and I enjoyed every minute of it when I had, (laughs) you know, I enjoyed every bit of what I did. That's a fulfilled life. It's not whoever gets the biggest house is the most fulfilled. No, there's, I mean, there's a lot of unhappy people who live in huge homes. There's a lot of unhappy people who live uh, extravagant existence. But that doesn't mean that they're fulfilled. Fulfillment, going back to what I said earlier about my, my bout with anxiety here recently, I had to come to the realization that this thing that I'm worrying about is not important. What's important is my being a father. If I can make my daughter laugh, that's a whole lot better off than me having control over something else. It's a whole lot better than me you know, getting a, a brand new house or getting a position of power at work or being elected to some public office. Because what would it profit me at all if I had everything, but I couldn't even make my daughter laugh? You know, I couldn't make any time for her, right? And the same thing goes with, goes with the Lord. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose a soul? Because at the end of this thing, you're, you're presented with a choice. Do you want eternal life or do you want uh, your life to be completely over? And that's really what the, the whole idea is of him restoring this relationship. You see, back in the days of Adam and Eve, right, in the garden, they lived with him. There was no death. There was no anything. Everything was provided for them. Everything was perfect. And then... They wanted something else, and it created that chasm between man and God. God has since restored that through the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And we are now able to access the fullness of what God is, the relationship with God, what that really means. And at the end of our life here on earth, we get to spend eternity with Him. He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to get to just live with him in paradise forever. And that's exciting. And you get to make that choice too. So when he says, don't be anxious for anything, all I know is this, you know, things here on earth, they're temporary and they may be hard to go without these things. It may be hard to not have the nicest truck in the neighborhood. It may be hard not to have the nicest home in the area. It may be hard not to, you know, it may be hard to run for public office over and over and over again and keep losing and keep losing. But at the end of it, that's not going to matter anyways. And that's a hard thing to realize. It's a hard thing to understand. But when you do understand it, trust me, your anxiety flutters away. Because that's exactly what happened with me. When I'm starting to pray, God, let me be about what you're about. Give me, give me a heart for ministering to these people, you know, whatever that looks like. I don't care so much about 
myself. I don't care so much about the things that I want. I care about the things that are important. I care about my, my family, right? My daughter, my, my son, my wife. And I care about relationships with people, building a lasting impression that the Lord has given to me to give to other people, being a good person and showing the love of Christ everywhere that I go. That is a lasting impression. That is fulfillment. That is joy. So let's keep on going. Therefore, I tell you, this is verse 25, Matthew 6. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, <clears throat> nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Think about that before I go on. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. You're talking about um, a creation, not on the same level as a creation of, of man, but you're talking about God's creation. They do absolutely no work, none whatsoever but yet they still live. Why do they live? Because God provides for them, right? And that's exciting. When you really start to think about this, it's exciting. Because like he just says here, birds do not sow. They do no work. They don't reap. They do no work. Nor do they gather into barns. They don't work. They don't prepare. They don't do anything like that. But yet God continually feeds them. A bird will leave its nest Go find food, come back to its nest. That's its day's work. And what does that sound like? Nothing better for a man than to eat, to drink, and enjoy his work. <laughs> Let's move on. Are you not of more value than they? Are you not of more value than the birds of the air? Well, of course, the answer is yes. Of course, the answer is yes. You're more important than the birds of the air. That's the point he's trying to make. I take care of these birds. I take care of all the other animals in the world. What makes you think I can't take care of you? What makes you think I can't provide you with food? Uh, what makes you think that because you've done absolutely nothing, I still can't provide for you? It's powerful. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? What does anxiety buy you? You know, last week... Um, <clears throat> Pastor Matt talked about anxiety and, um, he said a statement that really uh, clicked home with me, or he said, anxiety is a down payment on something you never get to buy. And how true is that? Anxiety is the same as, as going to a car dealership, handing them, you know, five grand and never taking anything home. You've done all this work, all this suffering with nothing to show for it. Which one of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, and neither they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Why do you care about what you're going to wear? Why do you care or why do you worry is a better word. Why do you worry about what you are going to wear? Do you not think that God will clothe you? You don't think that God can provide you with these foods, with these clothes, when he's doing this stuff already. It's just that you don't have 
you haven't put the faith in him to provide that for you. But if God so clothes the grasses of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So he clothes the grasses of the field, all these flowers and grasses and things like that, and they're never offered eternal life, right? Think about that for a second. That's why he says, which are alive today and tomorrow thrown into the oven. They're useful. They're for our use, right? Do you not think that he can provide you with that same sort of thing? Therefore, therefore, verse 31, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. So don't be anxious about what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink, what am I going to wear? Don't worry about your basic necessities, right? Because God will provide those things for you. And basic is a, is a scaling term, right? Basic is whatever God needs it to be. If you need a bigger house because you're using all of your space for ministry, you know, if you have children and you're like, God, I have, I have three children, only have two bedrooms. Do you not think that God can provide you with that house? Now, I'm not saying I know exactly what that looks like, but I can tell you that he will do exceedingly abundantly more than what you ask or think. You have to have faith that he can do these things. Just like he's saying here, I provide all these things for the birds of the air, for the grasses of the field. They don't want for nothing. What makes you think I can't do it for you? Oh, you of little faith, right? And it, it, it wraps it all up with this here. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All these things will be added to you. Everything that you could ever ask, want, or think, he can provide for you. If all you will do is seek his glory, seek his righteousness. If you will just make a decision to put your faith in Jesus and trust him every step along the way, he will, he will provide you with everything that you need. Verse 34, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow can worry about tomorrow. You focus on the things that are important. You focus on the Lord. You focus on your relationship with Him, your relationship with the people that He has placed in your life that are important. <clears throat> serving the Lord, doing what you know is right and true. And all these things will just come. And don't squander it when it comes, but they will come. He will take care of you. Trust me and trust him that he will take care of you. Don't be worried about tomorrow. Pray and seek his will, say, seek his righteousness, and just watch it happen. And you know what? Going back to Philippians 4, 6, give him thanks, you know? When all these things come to pass, thanksgiving, give him thanksgiving in everything, prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Thank you guys for, for watching today, uh, for, for logging on and, and just being a part of this. Um, I thank you every single day, every time that I log in. I see uh, how many people have, have watched the video and it just it warms my heart. So thank you for um, thank you for being uh, 
faithful followers, and thank you for supporting me. Um, if you would like to support me further, go to Instagram and uh, follow the page on Instagram and on Facebook. Like and share uh, that stuff. Invite your friends. Tell them about it. Um, honestly, telling your friends about this stuff is probably my most preferred way of support. Um, if you can take something that I have said and use it in a conversation with one of your friends to bring them a little bit closer to the Lord, that's a win-win for everybody involved. So thank you guys for supporting me. Um, if you guys would like to support me financially, you can find my books on Amazon. It's called Drawing Near, A Few Steps Closer. Um, it's a devotional series. It's the same devotions that I put online, but <clears throat> on Facebook and Instagram for free, but I'm categorizing them into volumes every month. And it's just like 30, 31 days of, uh, devotions and it's good gifts and, and things like that. But it also helps me, obviously, if you buy them, um, it helps me financially helps keep the, the, uh, podcast going, helps keeping, um, the website up and running and, uh, motivates me. It motivates me to to do this more and more. It lets me know that you guys are interested in this stuff, and um, yeah, I just can't I can't thank you enough. So, if I start down that road, I'll never get off here. So, thank you guys so much. Um, keep checking back. I'm about to have some some merch coming out, a couple pre sales. So, I love you guys. Thank you so much, and uh, I'll see you next time. Bye bye.